everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lounsbury, here with my co-host, as usual, Lucas Gaynor, as we are here in the summertime with some Celtic content. Lucas, how you doing, my friend? You know, I'm doing terrific, Pat. Always uh, look forward to talking, you know, Celtics basketball. And this time, Pat, we actually have some uh, a pretty pretty wide berth of things to talk about today, man. Lots been going on, you know, Jason Tatum, the schedule release, uh, you know, a number of different things here. So, uh, looking forward to the episode, man. How, how how you been though, Pat? How you been just in life? Good. Good. Life is good. Summertime, enjoying the weather. You know, I'm just I'm just excited. You know, have a little bit of time off of basketball, but now I'm like, after seeing you know some summer basketball pickup games like the pro-am and stuff like that which we'll go over uh i'm i'm just wanting basketball back man i'm eager to see what this celtics team looks like and i'm I'm tired of debating with people whether it's a fluke or not season and i just i just want things to start rolling absolutely man october is going to be here before you know it so we won't have to wait too much longer but i'm right there with you man in the nba offseason just the most ridiculous conversations come to light about this player, that player, this team, that team. So, you know, I'll be looking forward to having some concrete basketball, actually, to debate and discuss soon. But for now, Pat, we've, uh, we're going to have to settle with the uh, crossover pro-am, which really is not too bad. Uh, you know, a star-studded lineup. You know, for everybody who is not aware of what the crossover pro-am, it's basically, you know, a pro-am league put on by, you know, NBA legend. Uh, I'll call him a legend. Jamal Crawford. Okay, up in Seattle, you know, really hype, a lot of talent. And uh, this past weekend, uh, a lot of NBA talent was there. DeJounte Murray, Paulo Bencaro, Chet Holmgren, LeBron James, and our guy, Jason Tatum, Pat. Pat, just what did you think about seeing some of those clips, man, watching oh. the game, which was unfortunately oh. canceled, that, canceled at halftime due to a slippery floor, unfortunately. Yeah, man. Uh, unfortunate for the people there. Uh, unfortunate, obviously, for the organization. Like I, I know Crawford was probably wanting that to to not end up being the the scenario, but things happen. Um, seeing Jason Tatum accept that invite last minute, as he he spoke about it in an interview, he he said that actually 8 a.m. that morning was when he got the phone call to go up to Seattle. He hopped on a plane flight at 8 a.m. It was like um, LeBron said, hey, man, come out. Uh, we'll be on the same team. We talked to LeBron about it. And he went out there and, and balled out. He put on a show. He had like 20 points in the first quarter, five three-pointers. He was just unconscious. And he wanted to make it clear, too, that when he goes out to like a pro-am, he's not just going there just like trying to get shots up or anything. Like He wanted to put on a show for people because at the end of the day, He's, you know, representing himself and, and showing what, what other people saw. And he also talked about the magnitude of what the NBA Finals did for him in the sense of um, you, people recognize who Jason Tatum is, but you don't realize how many people watch the NBA Finals. And then now when people recognize Jason Tatum, it's magnified even more because he's been on the biggest stage. And when everybody who doesn't really watch the season or even watch sometimes the playoffs, a lot of more people tune in for the finals. So, Tatum uh, was there and, and saw the magnitude of, one, the crowd seeing him when he came in. But then he also saw the magnitude of what LeBron did when LeBron walked into the Pro-Am and, and how the crowd was even bigger and even crazier when LeBron walked in. And I think that's for Jason Tatum's – that's something to shoot for, right? Like you want to be that great when you are talking about like walking into a Pro-Am. So it's just great to see one LeBron, such an elite um, player to ever play the game of basketball – 
but also have Jason Tatum experience and see that firsthand as well, I, I think that's just a huge thing. Absolutely, man. The fact that LeBron personally called him and asked him to, you know, run together at that Pro-Am must have been pretty cool for Jason. And like you said, man, Jason was balling out. Uh, you know, I am partially glad they stopped the game, though, Pat, just due to risk of injury. You know, unfortunately, Chet Holmgren is, you know, dealing with some potential ligament injury, which I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not entirely positive that it's from the game, but I think it was from a specific play where he hurt himself. So, that's really disappointing, but overall, man, it must have been a really cool experience for Jason. Shame that it got cut short, but, man, Jason was out there like he had something to prove, Pat. I mean, I know it's just a pro-am game, but I know you mentioned, you know, a lot of people saying maybe the Celtics season was a fluke. Yeah, I, I don't think so, and I think JT's going to be out here to prove that, man. And that crossover game was just a little bit of a taste of what we're in store for next season. So that only had me jonesing for Celtics basketball uh, even more than I was before, Pat. Yeah, and, and, and just to see Jason Tatum as well, like having the respect of your peers is a different level of respect, right? I don't even care like if – guarantee you Jason Tatum was like, oh, all the sports media loves you and thinks so you're like a great player. If his peers didn't feel the same way, I don't think that matters, right? And if it's reversed, then it's even more rewarding to like be like, wow – 50 of my peers think I'm an elite player and like nobody media doesn't think I am. I think that's more validating than, than anything else for him. So uh, I'm just happy to see that Jason Tatum is is starting to get that respect from his peers and, and having a guy like LeBron James calling and wanting him to be on the same team as you in, in a pro-am game is that, that speaks volumes to me. That's a big, big thing. You know, I don't want to like undermine like what, like how level, how high of like a credit to Jason Tatum that is. It's a huge compliment as a player when one of the best players to ever touch the basketball wants to you to come out and, and be a part uh, of something special like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. When one of the greatest, greatest players of all time hits your line, asking you to play on the same pickup team as him, basically. I mean, that has got to be a pretty good feeling. And, uh, you know, I know it's a pro-am, but that is about the highest level of basketball you can get with the word amateur in it there up there. You know, they got some real hoopers in Seattle. I was really excited to see that, you know, DeJounte Paolo thing, you know, take shape as well. I know we discussed that in, you know, a recent episode as well. So, you know, I kind of wanted to see that. But in all in all, the player safety matters more than everything else. And if the floor is too slippery, man, I had to call off the game. So, you know, hopefully we can uh, – maybe next summer they'll have the uh, they'll have the floors redone and, you know, we'll get Jason. But that's a long way away. And we're going to have a lot of meaningful basketball in between now and then to worry about with Jason. So, um, you know, Pat, I think we can pretty much cover the crossover. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the crossover was, was pretty good. And then, um, right after, you know, Jason Tatum actually went, um, did an interview with, uh, Taylor Brooks and, and just kind of talked about, um, a few things and, and address some things. He, he talked about that experience and, and getting that phone call from LeBron James and how, uh, getting, uh, you know, respect from his peers. But uh, another thing that he kind of touched on as, as well was they, they talked about um, the magnitude of him. You know, he's, he's been an all NBA player. Now he's reaching the finals and uh, Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum also explained, they asked him if he had experienced any type of injuries or type of things throughout last year that, that he felt like he was playing through or anything like that. And uh, uh, there was a game, I think he stated it was against like, a, I want to say it was the Atlanta Hawks or, or a team like that. It was, prior to the all-star break and he found 
he had some discomfort in his in his wrist to the point where he couldn't even like lift a plate and he was wrapping up his wrist uh when media wasn't watching he would he would like make sure that it's unwrapped and stuff he was just trying to hide it from from everyone and one thing that he said um that he hates and never wants to hear is that he can't play um due to an injury he doesn't want to hear that so he was trying to play through as much as possible um and then it ended up going all the way to into the playoffs to where they played against the Bucks. He said, I think it was your game two or three where he, he dunked the ball and Giannis fouled him on the dunk and he landed on the ground. He said when he landed on the ground, he landed on that spot of his hand. And it was the first time that he felt that level of pain as to when he first originally heard it. So if you've ever watched any games throughout the year or even into the finals and playoffs, you can see sometimes when he's like holding his hand and like trying to rub out his hand, it's, he was having some discomfort. He had a minor fracture in his hand where it healed over in there, but he, every time he'd hit it, it was like aggravating it, and it was an excruciating pain. So uh, Jason Tatum was dealing with a, a hand injury throughout uh, half the second half of the season all the way up to the NBA Finals, which was kind of crazy to, to hear from Jason Tatum. But he wanted to make it very clear that, that if he's out there, he doesn't want to use any type of excuse, and he tried to brush off a lot of it. So Yeah, no, and that's – yeah, I I love Jason Tatum for that. Honestly, that that type of mentality, you know, for some reason I think fans, you know, Celtics fans included, you know, give Jason this kind of soft mentality. That's what they, they for some reason they see him as that. Always oh, not a winning player. He is not driven like that. Or maybe I don't see that at all. For me, I see Jason as a guy who wants to win at any cost, and this is just absolute proof of that. I mean. You know, I do think that it – I'm not going to say it's an excuse, but it definitely is a reason of why maybe that he didn't play, you know, up to his normal elite level. But like he said at the end of the day, he can't use that as an excuse. If he's hitting the floor, he's got to perform out there. So I love that type of mentality. But I do feel for the guy, though. I mean, you really have to respect that, making sure that, you know, the media wouldn't see, uh, you know, him have the wrapped hand – or, you know, he wasn't talking about it actively. You know, he's trying to hide it, just play through it, and, you know, not put any attention on, you know, potential injury to give, you know, an excuse for him for maybe why he's playing worse. So, you know, I really have a lot of respect for Jason for that. Um, but like I said, I do feel for the guy because obviously it was probably hampering him. You know, you have a wrist injury. You know, that's going to obviously affect your ability to play basketball. So I hope all those people, you know, getting their jokes off about Jason this, Jason that. Um you know, I hope they feel a little bit feel a little bit bad. You know, just been on there joking about a guy with a fractured wrist, and on top of that, uh, you know, I think Jason is going to make a lot of those people eat their words this coming season. So, I think this really just speaks to who Jason is as a player, as a person. You know, I honestly want to make that an excuse for him, but if he says, you know, it's no excuse, and you know, he is right, man. If he's out there, he's got to perform. So. I just cannot emphasize how much I respect that, man. Celtics have a team full of dogs, man. And Jason Tatum is at the top of that list, even though people don't like to, you know, give him that title of a dog. Him and Jalen Brown, dogs. Marcus Smart, dog. dog. Derek White, Robert Williams, dog. Al Horford, all these guys are dog. Dogs. Al Horford's the grandpa dog. He is. Derek bro. White, dog. Okay. Grant Williams, Grant Williams, dog. I mean, I could do this for twenty more minutes if you want. Malcolm <laughs> Brogdon, dog. Gallo, Italian, dog. You know what I'm saying, like. But no, seriously, I do think that uh, Ime helped bring, like all jokes aside, I do think Ime really did help bring that out of a lot of guys, bring that culture to the team. And uh, I think, you know, Jason and Jalen, you know, a lot of these guys always had it in them. 
like collectively as a unit, they turn into a unit of just tough, hard nosed. You know, we're gonna punk you if you dogs. On us. Yeah, exactly. They're dogs, man. So I, I just never understood Pat why people tried to you know label Jason as a softy or as a guy who didn't have the drive or a, a guy who's all about me. When honestly, if you look hard, if you look, if you critically think, you kind of pay attention to what he's doing, man. You can tell he's all about the team. He's all about winning, and he's all about toughness. So. You know, that's why one of the big reasons why I love Jason Taylor because absolutely not every star who's who put up a thirty-five point triple double has that has that dog in him. So I'm glad that uh, you know the star of my favorite team has that. You know, it's funny too is that um, with with all the dog talk, it just reminds me of that meme that went around where um, it shows like an X-ray of somebody's chest, and then there's like they put like a Photoshop like a dog in there or a little puppy, and it's like it got that dog in him. So that, that kind of, that started to take off recently on social media the last like month or so. So, and you know, and you know, the kid, so basically there's this clip of this high schooler, right? Pat who's talking about the running backs on his team. And he basically does exactly what we did. He's like, this guy, dog. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I know what you're talking about. The high school player, right? Yeah. 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 So he's funny. So that's kind of what I was mimicking there. You should, everybody should try and go find that tweet if they can. Cause that original video is hilarious. But like I said, all jokes aside, man, I mean, the Celtics are full of guys with that great, tough mentality. And, uh, you know, that's one big reason why they got to the finals, man. And I just can't wait to see that kicked off with real basketball and the couple new additions they've made to the team. Because people, you know, Malcolm Brogdon might, might not be the, the loudest dog, all right, but he's going to make his presence known when he So uh, I can't wait to see that guy, you know, Kelly Green, man, wearing that type of uniform. Yeah, and, and and what else kind of got addressed in the in that interview, which I suggest everybody to go and watch the interview that he had with Taylor Rooks. Um, he actually was good childhood friends with Taylor Rooks. Taylor Rooks was the second person to ever interview him back in uh, eighth grade. Jason Dean was interviewed by Taylor Rooks for the first time, so a little history there. Uh, he also went uh, over the whole picture that went viral with Kevin Durant, which we'll we'll get more into Kevin Durant news um, later on, but. And how they talked about the one that went viral where they're working out and how he just says, like, man, they blow up anything. Me and Kevin Durant, we've been good friends since high school. And he's, you know, played with Kevin Durant with Team USA. They just did that Team USA. They just won a gold medal together. And they, you know, they spent weeks together, you know, like um, and also he's he talked about if, you know, he he's not shy to say that Kevin Durant is one of the best basketball players this game has ever seen. And when you have an opportunity to work out with somebody like that and learn more things from someone like that, you take that opportunity. And so he talked about how he, he worked out with Kevin Durant and, and he's using that as a way to level up his game. So I, I'm sorry, but like, as is even the Celtic fan, like if you don't like seeing him going working out, even if it's with the guy in trade rumors, like, yeah, that's not his fault. The timing of, you know, trade rumors are going around at the time, but he, if he's going out there to work out and he's trying to better himself, like that's what you want from your superstar. You want him to take on that challenge. He's respecting his peers, but also understanding that I can learn a lot from my peers and went out there and worked out with Kevin Durant. I'm sure he probably got a workout in with LeBron too. Um, back in LA, I'm sure he, he definitely did that because he's always in LA right now. Um, but seeing uh, Jason Tatum, just like, having respect for his peers and, and looking to even get better and polish his game is, is super nice. And then at the end of the interview, one of the questions uh, from his actual mom, they did the, they interviewed his mom for like a little surprising. And the last question was like, what's next for you? Superstar was his mom said to him. And he said, um, he's already made first all NBA team. 
He's, you know, made it to the NBA Finals. He's done a lot of things, but the one thing that's obviously on the list is is winning a championship, and he's also talked about he's never won an MVP, and he would like to win an MVP. So hearing the those two things be goals for, you know, your superstar is is something that I think is is wonderful to hear. And a thing that I want to hit on here is superstar, right? Um, they hit it on in the interview, and Taylor Rooks said that she had six superstars that she considered superstars in this league, and Jason Tatum says that's more around 12 to 15 for him. Where, where do you kind of feel on that superstar lingo, Lucas, when it comes to that term? You know, I think everybody has their own definitions, right, when it comes to superstar. And I would say, honestly, I'm right, I'm right somewhere right in between them, honestly. 10, 11, you know, somewhere in there. I wouldn't say I quite stretch it out to 15, but I definitely think there's more than six. So I would say I'm right there in the middle, Pat. I mean, I don't, do you want me to just list the guys or just – I know, mean, yeah, if you want to list some people, like I, I kind of want to yeah. see where like more so of like who – who's on the back end of the superstar and who just missed it. I think that's where we're – cause like you can kind of obviously say like staff KD, you know, Giannis, like we know some of the big guys like, uh, and probably what the more important question for especially our listeners is like, do you consider Jason Tatum a superstar? Like that's okay. That, and then we got that out the air. No, you know? So, um, and Taylor Rooks also had Tatum as one of those do. six superstars. So, so she said the six. list is around wow. six. She didn't list six people or anything like that, but she said that he's he's considered a superstar in her eyes, but she didn't consider him a superstar prior to the start of yeah, last season, me, which I agree with. But I think that last season was an ascension for him to be a superstar. No, I absolutely got him as a superstar. You know, I've seen a lot of these top 50, top 100, top 40 lists, whatever, recently come out and with a lot of, you know, media members. And I see a lot of them have Jason on the fringe. I'm a star right at the top of that star category. And, you know, I just think he has cracked that superstar category. You know, he's probably towards the bottom of that list. Yeah. Yeah. He's also talked about how he's the poster boy of uh, whether he's a superstar or a star. Like he feels like he's, he's the, he's the ultimate, is he a superstar or is he a star? And that's kind of like where the line is. No, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, no, I personally do consider him a superstar. Like you said, I would consider guys like Braun, Giannis, Katie, Steph, Joker. Um, Embiid. Embiid, Kawhi. Which, um, by the way, Jason Tatum did shout out Embiid on the podcast he, uh, or the interview. He said that uh, it's ridiculous that somebody got second place in the MVP voting and got second All-NBA. He yeah, said that I mean, makes yeah. no sense. Jason Tatum's. No, they should have just put Joker and Embiid on the same. Yeah, uh, and he thinks that the they should be positionless for those all NBA. And teams. I'm with him. I'm with him on that. Now, I will say, as far as the whole superstar star debate, I kind of hate it in general, just because you know it, it it falls to so much of semantics and how you define your word star and super superstar. So you know, if you're arguing about which players fall into which category, but you have different definitions, you're just going to go in circles. You know, for as long as you're arguing. You know what I'm saying? But uh. As far as my definition, you know, I think there's about 10, 12, maybe 13, 14 guys, you know, in that range. So it looks like you they, do uh, lean a little bit more towards Jason Tatum standing than, definitely, than maybe definitely. Uh, Taylor because, Brooks. Listen, I like, one thing I love to do, and I'm not saying Taylor's not doing this, but I love to give their guys their props. And I think, you know, a lot of guys have earned that title superstar. And, you know, some people say I'm giving too much leeway. Maybe they might not agree. But I think there are definitely a lot of certified 
certified superstars in this league. You know, for me, Devin Booker is going to ascend to that level um, soon enough. You know, maybe he's a, he's on the fringe, but he'll be there. So soon. here was a controversial one that she mentioned, right? And I just want just for the content of purposes here. This, oh, I already know what and, it is. And you, you probably know this because the clip kind of went viral, but is Damian Lillard a superstar to you? Okay. To me, yes. To me, yes, because listen, just because Dame has been plagued, you know, by injuries and in an incompetent front office the last couple of years, I mean, lest we forget who Damian Lillard is at the top of his game. And and in the specific debate in the clip pack was Ky- if Kyrie's a superstar, Dame's not. See, that's crazy to me, okay? Because personally, I think that Dame is overall. I would take Dame over Kyrie. You know, that's a very that's a tough question for me. Gotta be honest. No, I do really love Kyrie's game. I got to take Dame because he has, you know, some intangibles that I like. You know, the leadership I really love. Um, and Dame is just truly one of the greatest scoring guards, you know, that we have seen in recent history. I mean, he brought that team to the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, unfortunately, he ran into one of the greatest basketball teams of all time. Okay, and context got- matters in that case, right? And, and, like, another context that matters not only what he ran into, but I think if you put Dame – if you gave Dame LeBron like Kyrie had, Dame probably has a ring, right? Like absolutely. Dame ends up getting a ring, and Kyrie is is the one with Dame's career. Like, I feel like if you swap their places, they kind of go down similar paths with how their careers are gone, right? Except for obviously the Kyrie Irving moves except, outside of the trading and and the antics out, outside of that stuff. Except, except Pat, here's where I think things would have went differently, and I'll stand ten toes on this. The one thing that really sets him apart for me is I know if Dame Lillard was in Boston, the Celtics would have been more successful. Yeah, yeah, I that's really why. I, that's that. why I just said like outside of like the the trading of Kyrie because okay. like I think after that Kyrie's you know off court start affecting his on court stuff. So um, I just kind of like to separate those things, especially you know with 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 in comparison when we're comparing talents. Yeah. I don't want to like because it gets muddy there. So. Well, just for me, I mean, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I think that that really separates the two as far like Dame could lead a team like that. Like, OK, he might not be able to be the best player on a championship team, but he can lead a team regardless. So I know that him on that Celtics team is definitely faring is faring better. And I think they're right in the same category. I would say Kyrie, honestly, to me, I would consider him a superstar just because of, you know, the entertainment value. I mean, he's obviously one of the best players in the NBA. You know, he's a top 20, 20 player at worst. Um, in the NBA, but the entertainment value provides, you know, the type of, you know, electricity provides when you're watching, like, for example, game one of, uh, game one of the Celtics net series. That's one of the most entertaining games performance I've ever seen live. That was 39 points from Kyrie Irving. However, none of it, you know, compares to that layup Jason Tatum had in the last second. That is quite literally the greatest moment I've ever had watching sports live. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, the superstar conversation has, like I said, tough for me just because a lot of it just boils down to semantics and not actually, uh, not actually anything to do with basketball. So that is a tough comp. Most importantly, um, Lucas and I both agree that Jason Tatum is a superstar, Absolutely. and I think we both agree that that Jalen is a star. So um, yeah, Jalen's a star to me. Absolutely. So I, I think we're now, on the same page when it comes to to that standpoint of things. And speaking. Of star Jalen Brown, Pat. I'm glad we don't have to worry about any of these trade rumors anymore, man. I really am. Uh, recently, it came out, you know, in the last 48 hours that Kevin Durant is staying in Brooklyn. 
Uh, Steve Nash staying in Brooklyn. Sean Marks staying in Brooklyn. Uh, the Nets are going to try and run it back, see what they can do. Kevin Durant will remain a Brooklyn Net, will not become a Boston Celtic. And, uh, you know, Brad was talking about it. You know, he talked with Jalen about it. Uh, and there's some pretty interesting quotes there of, you know, Brad talking about how, you know, you have to be open and transparent with your players. And that's the best thing to do. You don't want to blindside a guy with trade stuff. But, you you know, players also have to understand that the GM wouldn't be doing his job if he's not doing his due diligence about players who are available. Um, so, Pat, I can speak for myself here. I am so glad that these rumors are going to be dead. No more 2.30 a.m. Woj notification. Entire timeline talking about uh, talking about whether or not the Celtics should trade Jalen Brown, Pat. Or, uh, I don't know. Are you as happy as I am that these rumors are dead? Yeah, the, the rumor is gone. Um, now it's about, you know, not repairing because I don't think there's repairing necessary. But I think reassurance, right? I, I think that would be the key word with Jalen Brown now is reassuring that, hey, man, like it, it's not personal that when we reached out. But also it doesn't, I don't think that they reached out recently. And as long as they're transparent with Jalen Brown, I think as, a, as an athlete you have to understand that like the NBA – is a business and businesses don't, you know, run well without, you know, doing their due diligence and, and acquiring about certain things. And sometimes that comes at the risk of, of, you know, potentially you being moved. And that's not a disrespectful thing. It's, it's literally like how the NBA works and functions. And the good thing with it being Jalen Brown is that Jalen Brown's super smart and, I think he really understands that aspect of it. And my thing with Jalen Brown is that he seems like a guy who just wants to be, and this is me just out of assumption. So there's no, no backing of any sort, but I, I just assume that Jalen Brown is a person who would respect just being told up front, like what the situation is. And as long as transparency is there and he feels like what's being said is honest and truthful and the Celtics are truthful the whole time during this process, I don't see, um, reassuring Jalen Brown and trying to keep him here more long-term should be much of an issue. Uh, you know, despite all the trade rumors and his name coming in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Jalen is definitely a mentally tough guy. You know, it's not like Brad mentioned, this is not the first time that Jalen has gone through something like this. His name has been in trade rumors for years. So, I mean, all anybody wants, you know, in life, let alone NBA, tra- NBA trade rumors is transparency communication, honesty, Um, you know, a lot of problems, whether it is, you know, this subject or life can really be solved by just being honest, being transparent, being upfront instead of, you know, backdooring, being passive aggressive. So I'm glad that Brad understands that and that Jalen also understands that. And uh, listen, it was natural for Jalen to tweet something like SMH when these trade rumors went out. This guy just helped us was arguably our best performer in the NBA finals. You know, he, why would he? Why would we ever want to trade a guy like that? You know, I can understand why the frustration would set in, but you know, to me, Jalen is not a guy that's going to get hung up on something like that. You know, um, and honestly, Pat, I'm just. Do you, uh, you ever just think, Pat? You know that how lucky we are to be like a covering this Celtics team, but b to like be rooting for this Celtics team. I mean, it's it's I, it's treasured, just, bro. It's a treasure it's for us. It's a perfect word, bro. I mean. Not, there aren't many guys in the league like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and let alone to have these two guys on the same team, you know, skill-wise, you know, personality-wise, mentality-wise. 
and then you throw in a dog like Marcus Smartman, and I it's pretty much all I could ask for. But no, I think that Jalen, not to get too far off topic, but I just think that Jalen, I think he's going to take this in stride. I don't think it's going to be a big issue. You know, some people were saying that this was going to damage their locker room and mess up the culture. No, see, the thing is, is the Celtics have instilled such a good culture these past 12, 14 months that I think that culture is what will help, you know, keep the fabric of this unit strong, honestly. And that's why you build a strong culture. So when the road gets rocky, the culture does not fall apart. It stays just as strong as it ever was. And, uh, maybe even get stronger than it previously was. And key word culture, right? Like, like we're talking about culture here and you think it's going to shake up the locker room, but how did this locker room get onto the same page? And it was through transparency, communicating with each other and understanding that they were struggling at some point last year and they needed to talk and be straightforward with each other. So if anything, this, the way they handled um, Jalen Brown and Kevin Durant talks, is I'm, I'm hoping it's the same way they handled how the start of the season and when they got to that rough point and they just communicated and figured it out, right? Now that the rumors are gone, now it's about getting back to let's let's figure out what we're focused on and let's you know come together for this goal to win a championship. And we added Malcolm Brogdon and, and we're on a path to a team that's, that's going to be really good to compete. Um, but to go back more onto the Kevin Durant and Jalen thing is um, – one, it's honorable. It's just it's an honor to be mentioned for a guy of KD's caliber. So it's really a compliment to Jalen. I know maybe Jalen doesn't fully see it as a compliment, but he might see it partially as a compliment. But there's also a backside to it, right? There's two sides to the sword um, in this scenario. And my thing is too is uh, is that Kevin Durant now we're sending his trade uh, definitely makes the East a bit more spicy because it doesn't look like they're trading Kyrie now. It doesn't look like they're trading Kevin Durant. And, you know, you have the possibility of, you know, Ben Simmons um, recovering and, and returning to the team um, to, per, you know, play. So now we're, we're talking about an East that's that's pretty competitive, man. I mean, you're, you're talking about a Philly team that really reamped. You're talking about the Bucks team getting Chris Middleton back, who just won the championship two years ago. And then you got the, you know, the Nets team now that's going to be staying together and running it back. Um, the Celtics may be the favorite to come out the East, but it does not mean that that's going to be an easy path. And, and with Kevin Durant actually staying put that, that makes things a bit more, you know, interesting in the East to come out. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, not only does it make the East a little bit more complicated, you know, which is already, you know, a pretty good conference that, uh, Further, uh, further complicates the Lakers situation too, Pat, which, you know, is music to my ears. No disrespect to, you know, our Lakers friends. Um, on no, all, all, all disrespect, but in the most respectful way. No Kyrie Irving to the Lakers, which, you know, is happy, or, or most likely not, I should say, which makes me a little bit happier. Um, but no, it do- does definitely shake up the East. And I think the, the Nets are a wild card still, man, because Ben Simmons could come back and be a terrific player. I'm a guy who has always been higher on Ben Simmons, you know, since all the things started going down the most people, I still believe in Ben Simmons. Believe it or not, I still like Ben Simmons. Okay, I know people aren't going to like to hear that, but I do like his game. I think he gets knocked a little bit too I, much. I agree. I agree with you on all the Ben Simmons man. takes, by the way. I love that. But, you know, a lot of people are really harsh on the guy, and he could come back, you know, and be terrific. You know, I know people like to get caught up in a certain few moments and say this guy's trash. Well, he's definitely not trash, okay? All-NBA-level defender, all-star-level player. 
and uh, he could take some of the creation duty off of KD and Kyrie, which is obviously what they needed in that playoff series. We saw that KD's not the type of guy we can just run high pick and roll with and create for your team. You know, that was never Kyrie's MO either. So he could really help them. So the Nets are really a dark horse, man. And things are not over for the, for the Brooklyn Nets, honestly, as much as I kind of wish they were, they definitely are not. Yeah. So the, the looming factor of the Brooklyn Nets of what they could be still looms over the NBA as it has been over the past like three, four seasons. And, you know, we talk about the Nets being a threat. Uh, we also got to talk about the, the Vegas odds came out after the fact of, you know, the KD resending his trades and Brooklyn became automatically tied with the Clippers for the fourth best odds to win the championship. Right. So um, just a complete turnaround from where they were at. Um, I believe they were at a 14 to one to win. Now they're at a 15 to two, which is a huge jump for people who don't know. Um, Boston went from four and one to win to five and one. So it hurt Boston went back a little bit. So just to give people an idea that the team's currently title odds, you know, this per bet online AG. So uh, Boston's at a five to one. Milwaukee's at a six to one. Golden State's at a seven to one. So Golden State's the third favorite after winning a championship, which I think is wild. I think uh, they should at least be tied with Milwaukee at six to one. I understand why we're the favorites after making the Mal- Malcolm Brogdon type move, but you know, it's it's a lot of pressure now, right? So. Celtics healthy should be one, if not the best team in the NBA. And the pressure is all on, you know, putting this uh, trade rumors behind us and building on what we had started last season, but also like, you know, having hopefully Jason Tatum stays healthy, you know, and and having Jalen Brown, you know, maybe take another step and having um, Robert Williams be more available. So it's really going to come down to a lot of these smaller factors to see what we can do to possibly uh, get ourselves uh, that next banner. Absolutely. You know, I believe we should be the favorites. Now, Pat, the thing is this year, you know, the expectations, like you mentioned, are heavy on the Celtics. That seems like over the past number of years, every year that the expectations are low for the Celtics, they greatly exceed them. And when the expectations are high, they don't quite live up to them. This year, I think, is going to be different. You know, this is the best team we have, we've had, I believe, in my opinion, throughout the years. Okay, as much as we love that Kyrie Gordon Hayward team, you know, Jason and Jalen were not the players they are now. Okay, where there was no, you know, terrific Robert Williams. Smart has grown a lot since then. Brogdon is a terrific player. Grant is an awesome role player. I mean, need I say more? Derek White is amazing. Gallo will get us buckets off the bench. Um, so I think this is the best team. I think the Celtics are in position, you know, to defend their Eastern Conference Championship and bring themselves back to the finals. Well, of course, nothing is promised. Nothing is guaranteed. I think the Celtics, you know, this is the best shot they've had, you know, in the beginning of the season in a while because I know I did not believe – I mean, I always believed the Celtics were a dang good team last season. You know, I will. I just can't say that I thought that they were favorites to, you know, reach the NBA Finals from the Eastern Conference. I had a lot of respect for the Bucks um, and the Nets at the beginning of the season. But as the season went on and that shift began to happen, uh, it, it was very clear anything was possible. And now that we added some really high-level talent to this group, um, you know, I think that absolutely it's possible for us to go back. Um, you know, I don't love being the favorite, though, Pat. Got to be honest. I just love that dog underdog mentality. You know, I'm pretty sure I covered that enough this episode, but uh, 
you know, I think the Celtics will be able to handle it well. You know, I think we're uh, we're positioned well to handle that uh, handle that type of pressure. Absolutely, and uh, just one last thing here before we we kind of sign off here is the the NBA schedule did come out, and the Celtics are uh, a team that ended up getting a lot of TV time this year. So, um, but with the pressure as well with with the Celtics, uh, a good point you made, Lucas, is that we always seem to over exceed expectations when we are really undermined and then we always seem to fall short when we kind of get this extra boost but this will be i mean the first time in the jason tatum jalen brown era even marcus smart era since he's been on the team the longest since the celtics probably been title favorites going into a season unless i'm i'm missing something but i'm pretty sure this is the first this would be the first year right yeah, I do not believe they were favorites that year with Hayward and Kyrie. They were probably I think they were either like second or third, right? They were kind of getting like the Bucks or like the Warriors type treatment yep, this year, right? The Warriors probably. Yes, yep. were like their third favorite. So this is going to be very interesting because when you are a favorite like that, when you're so looked at as like this powerhouse team, teams circle that game more. They come at you harder. So I'm excited because I think this gives a rare opportunity because there's only one team that, you know, really gets that buzz and that favoritism going into a season. It's like, oh, this is the number one team. And I think they face different type of challenges as far as the competitive nature of other teams coming at them. So uh, I'm excited to see the growth from the team this year. And uh, I know that you uh, – I don't have the the televised games, but I know you probably have the number available. So I'll let you uh, – I'll let you take away with uh, how many televised games the Celtics do have. Yeah, this so, year. Uh, including NBA TV games, there's 37 total nationally televised games for the Celtics, which is obviously almost half of the games, which is crazy. Uh, you know, I know everybody does not have NBA TV, myself included. Okay. So, you chop off 12 of those, it comes down to 25 nationally televised games for the Boston Celtics, which is still a massive number pretty just under one third of our games nationally televised which you know i love Celtics will be in the spotlight you know i love a game i love a good sunday abc game um so i'm really looking forward to that but it definitely seems like the celtics are getting their shine like you said teams are going to be bringing their best shot man they really will be uh i think the nba is at a really good position with talent even the younger teams that are maybe uh not going to win a lot of games have some young talent that can be very ambitious and, you know, give the Celtics their best shot. So I'm really looking forward to see a lot of these games tonight. But, uh, you know, the Christmas game, the MLK Day game, you know, a lot of these games really, you know, are, are tradition to me at this point, sitting down and watching them. So I'm really excited to uh, to see a lot of these nationally televised games, Pat. And, and Lucas and I will be doing our second annual, uh, you know, schedule breakdown and predictions. And listen, and we're I was only one game off. You were, and I think I was like three, right? I think we were because our gap was like four because we ended. I ended up catching up. And I you. thought I was, and I thought that I, uh, I thought I went overboard a little bit, Pat. But listen, I was under by one game. You know, yeah, the Celtics. You know that twenty-five and two streak definitely uh, favored Lucas's. Uh, <laughs> he saw that coming, guys. He no, definitely listen, saw that coming. No, absolutely. I predicted every single game correct. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course, you know the way the way I predicted it was not even close to correct. But the final product was good. Okay. I think this year we might be go a little bonkers with us being favorites, though. I think I think this year is going to add for a very. I'm telling you right now, my I won't be over 62 wins. I'm telling you that. <laughs> you're going to look at people and be like, man, we we can beat them, we can beat them. Um, uh, 
we'll split. 75 and 7. No, <laughs> we're we're going to beat the Warriors record, right? Is that, that what we're going for now? Because we're salty? No, of no, course no, not. No. Of course not. Um, but, you know, it, it's fun just to, to do break down the schedule and everything like that. And, you know, I'm excited to see the games where we're going to be honoring Bill Russell. I know they're going to do multiple um, games of, you know, having a patch on the jersey, et cetera. So um, just a lot of uh, remembrance stuff there. Yeah, RP and Bill, Bill Russell. Man. But uh, that's – you know, a podcast for the future for you guys to look forward to. We are looking to probably do the schedule breakdown probably more closer to October um, as the season kind of progresses and the roster finalizes out. Um, any other news or anything you want to get to, Lucas, before we, we sign out here? I mean, we signed Denzel Valentine, Denzel Valentine to an Exhibit 10 contract, which basically is a contract that the Celtics have the ability to convert to a two-way at any point, and it's non-guaranteed so they can waive him without taking a uh, – Salary cap hit, Pat, but without. besides that... I like Denzel really, Valentine, too. I remember when he was at Michigan State with uh, Tom Izzo. Right? Oh, he was awesome. He was, he was fire, man. He was fire. I also remember him at a pro-am. You know, we're not going to get too deep into that because, you know, I got respect for the guy, and this is a Celtics show. So I just want to remember him at Michigan State and not going up against Frank Nitty. Um, if you know, you know. Um, but I think that's a good guy to bring into camp, you know, fight for a roster spot. You know, while he definitely – people might not think of him as a good NBA player even – you know, he definitely is a pretty good depth piece, you know, down towards end of your bench. There's, you could do a lot worse than Denzel Valentine. Um, so I'm happy to see that. Hopefully we'll see how he plays in, in uh press conference and uh, training camp. But Pat, besides that, I got nothing else, man. Well, again, thank you guys so much for stopping by. Make sure you guys go ahead and follow the show on Twitter at Sports Ethos Celtics. You can also find us on TikTok where Lucas is making amazing TikToks. He's going to say they're well, not amazing amazingly terrible. He's probably going to say amazingly terrible, but don't let him shy you away. Go and no. watch amazing TikToks from Lucas. Amazing is a stretch. It's amazing. Okay. I enjoy them very much. I appreciate much. it, Pat. Um, I appreciate it. I'm going to try to be more consistent on there too. You know, TikTok is hilarious. I love making these little videos. Obviously, I, I definitely take a little bit more of a uh, – you know, just a comical approach. I don't make any like super serious content, but you know, I'll start making some some better videos there. Go check out my last one, everybody. It's pretty funny, honestly, if I do say so myself. Lucas um, is gonna be playing with the TikTok more. He's gonna try to get some more of our, our audio in there as well and stuff and, and see what we can do absolutely. with it this season. So Yeah, I'll put Pat thinking that he can get a bucket on Udonis Haslam highlights, honestly. No, I'm just kidding. You know what? Uh, hey man, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? If it happens, Lucas, I don't wanna ever hear it ever again. That's all I'm gonna say. Hey, listen, you won't, but uh all, All right, right, folks. Thanks yeah, for listening to another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast. Uh, go tap in with Pat on Twitter at Ball and Opinions, me at Luca underscore Gainer, your average one piece enjoyer. Go follow the show itself. Uh, and, uh, you know, appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening live, and listening uh, offline as well. Yes, sir. And make sure you guys also leave us that review and five stars, whether it's on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. That helps us bump up in the rankings shows us to new people allows more people to come in allows us to make more content for you and we appreciate all the support and love thank you guys so much and i hope you're enjoying that summer yes sir Peace.